0: Welcome back. Episode 26 of the Combat Review, the Combat Review. So in this episode, uh, the first sort of 25 minutes or so are literally around UFC 259. Um, a few good conversations about that. Um, Dominic Cruz in action and Joseph Benavidez in action on the prelims. And then, of course, we go through the main card Um in a bit of detail. Uh the other pe- piece we pick up on is Alistair Overeem and uh Junior dos Santos have recently been cut by the UFC and I for one quite enjoyed that decision. Um you can follow us on Instagram at the combat review podcast with all the underscores you can follow us on Twitter at the combat review and on YouTube on the combat review channel. Um I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening. So there is a couple of other fights that have I th- I suppose they haven't gone under the radar. I think people are, are, are wildly aware that these are happening but um obviously all of everyone's attention goes to the three uh, title fights on the card and not towards much else. But on the prelims we actually have Dominic Cruz and Joseph Benavides in action. They're not fighting each other. Um but uh, Dominic Cruz takes on Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny, um, the rem- remember him last time out? He actually beat Nathaniel Wood in what was a really, really entertaining fight on Fight Island back in October 24. Um, obviously, you know, perhaps after that loss, Nathaniel wants to take on the buck. Um, but uh, yeah, so Casey Kenny riding a three fight win streak against, obviously, uh, the aforementioned Nathaniel Wood, uh, Lewis Smoker, and uh, Haley. L- he- Ataleng, which is just a just a nightmare. Um, but prior to that, he had one little loss, and then he was on a five or six fight win streak before that. So this will actually be quite a um, a tough fight for Dominic Cruz. It's not so much that um, Casey Kenny. Uh, you've got to remember that Dominic Cruz isn't Dominic Cruz anymore. You know, prior to he obviously lost to Henry Cejudo in. Uh, I think it was back in May in 2020. Now, before that, he didn't fight for three and a half years. And he, of course, uh, lost a decision to Cody Garbrandt when Cody took the belt off him. Prior to that, he was Dominic Cruz and he was on a, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 fight win streak. So we're talking about a guy that was at the top of his game until 2016, where... He he's been ravaged with injuries a lot of his career, Dominic Cruz. Um and I think he had something to do with something wrong with his feet or something, like fashionitis or something. I'm I'm probably um I'm probably absolutely butchering that, but I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, uh, or that's what it was. He he's been played with quite a few injuries. Um and then obviously after that lost Kobe Cody Garbrandt, three and a half years out, he comes back and gets an immediate um title shot against henry Sahuto because obviously he's a name uh, and he gets uh would in the second round um and he hasn't really looked himself since 2016 so we're kind of looking at a guy who is is definitely on the downturn of his career so when when i say that he's perhaps not on on, on casey kenny he's, he's on the same level as dominic cruz he probably is at this point and for casey kenny it's a really really big opportunity to um take out a big name and and kind of piggyback off him and push yourself up the division. Um, for Dominic Cruz, it, he's trying to prove that he he's kind of still relevant and he's kind of still in there. Um, you know, if 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 Casey Kenny wins this, he can burst into the into the top sort of fifteen uh, or potentially can with Dominic Cruz currently sitting eleventh. Um, I would suggest if Dominic Cruz loses this, um, we'll probably see him retire. Um, and I, I know I said the same about. I know I said the same about Amanda Nunes on uh, on on YouTube the other day, um, which, which people weren't very happy about. But and I don't. I didn't suggest that Amanda Nunes would lose. I suggested that she'd win and she'd probably have no one else to to fight and she'd retire. But I think Dominic Cruz, obviously, if he does lose this fight, um, he can't. He can't take a victory against someone that's ranked outside the top 15 and it will probably end up being um, curtains for Cruz. But, you know, he could keep going. He could keep fighting. Um, I I would suspect not, but I don't know. Um, He's been out for a long time. He's been plagued with injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if Dominic Cruz loses and we we see him hang up the gloves. Um, and as we said, for Casey Kenny, it's a massive, massive opportunity. The other fight to, or other fighter to pay attention to is Joseph Benavidez is in action um, in, uh, obviously, the f- uh, flyweight division. And he takes on Askar Askarov, which is a fantastic name. Uh, he, Dominic Cruz has, of course... Got the unfortunate um position of having lost twice to the champion and when you lose twice to the champion you you can't really get another another shot and that's the problem um and he obviously he got his first this is the (laughs) this is the problem with joseph belavidez he was um he lost a split decision to demetrius johnson who was at the time uh or, or they were going for the ufc flyweight championship so that's one title shot for benavides he then gets a rematch a year later against demetrius johnson and gets knocked out so that's twice his fought for the flyweight championship fast forward seven years or six and a half years and he fights davidson figueredo um for the vacant or for the vacant ufc flyweight championship again um Figueiredo, I think, missed weight in that. And there was like a, a big thing about the fact that he missed weight and only one of them could win the belt. And it was a bit of a mess. Um, he gets TKO'd by Figueiredo. He then gets a rematch because obviously there was the uh, controversy around the the missed weight and stuff. Um, and he gets, re- he gets submitted in the first round. And that was in 2020. So Joseph Benavidez has fought four times for a UFC championship. He's now 28 to seven is in his career and um, he is 36 years old. So as far as he, he goes, he's not fighting for a belt again. And if he is, I don't know how the UFC sell it. Um, He's had a very, very long career and he is definitely at the tail end of it. Now there's no two ways about it. He's had kind of all of the chances and circumstance and career and, You know, he met his wife, Megan O'Leary, working for the UFC. And and if he didn't go on this journey, he wouldn't have met her. And he's had a lovely career. And it's all great. It's all fantastic. But he's pretty much done. And it's interesting when you look at Askar Askarov, who is another guy who is on his way up, um, who actually had a a, a split draw to Brandon Moreno, who recently obviously fought for the belt, um, a victory over Tim Elliott and then Alexandre Pantoja, uh, back in July, who was actually coincidentally on the same card as Figueredo and Benavidez. So they'd have been spending time around each other the whole fight week, the fact you're in quarantine for so long on Fight Island, you do all those bits and pieces. So I wouldn't be surprised if they hadn't seen each other quite a lot um, while they were while they were there. Um, but now, uh, obviously, they take each other on and it's a very, very similar Um, story to Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenney, Benavides versus Askarov in the fact that it is the aging aging fighter who is taking on a young up-and-comer. And And this is both of the young up-and-comers chance to take the shine from the former champions or former champion challenger and, and make a name for themselves. And it's almost a changing of the guard, and we'll get on to shortly um, some, some recent fighter cuts um, that a handsome gentleman may or may not have predicted earlier on in the year. Um, but it's, it's just interesting to see those two things and those two fights, both on the prelims, um, which is a good name. You know, for ESPN and the UFC, people are going to tune in to watch Cruz and, and Benavidez, but... Um, that's where their career is at the moment. They're not. They're not headlining. They're not main events. They're not even on the main card anymore. They are prelims, and they are taking on up and comers. And they have got it all to lose for the two guys, Cruz and and Benavidez. It's now kind of there are. It, it's it's sink or swim, isn't it? They're either going to um, they're either going to perform and say, Hey, listen, I'm still here, or they're not. Um, And coincidentally, I think, if my memory is not mistaken, this will be the first time that Dominic Cruz has not been involved in a title fight um, in six years. And that last one was against uh, Mizugaki, where he won by knockout in 2014. And that genuinely feels like it was yesterday, which is very, very scary. That was at UFC 178, which coincidentally was the same card that Conor McGregor fought Dustin Poirier at. There's some knowledge for you there. Um, prior to that, he was in UFC title fights. He was in WEC title fights. So he has he has. This is the second time in ten years Dominic Cruz has not been fighting for a belt, and he's doing it on a prelim show on ESPN Plus. So. There we go. Um, as we move on to the main card in the light heavyweight division, Tiago Santos takes on Alexander Rakic. And we last saw Tiago Santos get submitted against Glover Teixeira uh, back in November. Uh, prior to that, obviously, he had a decision, uh, a split decision loss to John Jones. So he came off a good performance against John Jones and got submitted by a guy that's forty-one years old. And I don't really know where that leaves um Thiago Santos well I'll tell you where it it, it leaves it leaves him uh, fighting Alexander Rakic at UFC 259 Rakic, of course um is uh, has lost one fight in his last well he's actually lost one one fight in his last 12 or 13 but um since he's entered the UFC uh he is 6 and 1 I believe um 5 and 1 pardon me he's obviously got uh Knockout wins over Jimmy Manoa. Um, Anthony Smith, he's got a unanimous decision victory against, and he does have a split decision loss to Volkan Ozdemir that goes back to 2019. But he's not that active, Reykic. Um He fought in South Korea in 2019, we get that uh, os- loss to Ozdemir. He then uh, had a decision loss to Anthony Smith um, a year later. So he's averaging kind of a fight a year um and here he is fighting again sort of seven or eight months later so he's not one of those guys that sort of has three fights a year um he seems to be one maybe one and a half of his lucky uh which i guess when you're looking at people in that light heavyweight division it is quite slow um and we discussed this I, i even talked about this on uh on youtube the other day as well it was uh Talking about Israel Adesanya and Jan Blahovic, and if, if Israel Adesanya does win, um, potentially he's going to slow down two divisions. And the light heavyweight division is probably a division you can afford to slow down. However, the middleweight division is not. So I thought Adesanya would um, vacate his middleweight belt and move to light heavyweight, uh, which is something I'd like to see him do. Whether he does or not, obviously uh, the proof will be in the pudding. The proof in the pudding will be in the eating, um, and we will see what happens with that. But Alexander Rekic versus Tiago Santos is what we are talking about at the moment. Um, I think it's a pretty um, well-even fight. Uh, Tiago Santos is ranked number two. Alexander Rekic is ranked number four. Um, Rakic is ranked number four without really having that many fights. It's just the people that he's beaten. And even when you look down at that light heavyweight division, it just isn't that great. You know, Paul Craig is sitting at number 14, and I'm, I'm fairly certain I've beaten this like a drum quite a few times. But the light heavyweight division is trash at the moment. The champion is not uh, the caliber of champion that you would expect. When we we go back and it was John Jones, before that we had Lowe to Machida and Shogun Hua. Um, and now we've got Jan Blavich, which... Every episode, I sound like I'm shitting on him. I am not. He's just not really that good. When you when you look at the, the list of USC champions and, and the, perhaps the champion that that division deserves, you know, John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Shogun Hua, Machida, um, Rampage Jackson fought for the belt, Vitor Belfort fought for the belt, all these big names. And I know that perhaps... You know, I'm being a little bit nostalgic and letting my my feelings for the old days run away with me. But um Jan Blahovic is not a name. He is not that marketable, he is not that fun to listen to. He is he's he's relatively good to watch when he knocks people out. But when he's knocking people out like Luke Rockhold, um, it just leaves a lot to be desired for me in that division. Anyway, I will stop um having a go. We then have uh, Islam Makachev taking on Drew Dober in the lightweight division. Um, Everyone is very high on Islam Makachev. He has one loss on his record and it was back in 2015. Um, Prior to that, or sorry, uh, after that he's been on a six-fight win streak. Um, No one really of massive note. He did knock out Gleason Tebow and and beat Nick Lentz. Um, The rest of the guys aren't that well known um but islam makachev people are very high on him at the moment he is um obviously from dagestan so he's one of khabib's boys um and it's that sort of grinding style um that that sort of they're affiliated with and is extremely extremely effective uh people seem to think that he is the next Khabib, if not by the time he gets to Khabib's level, he'll be better than him. Uh, it remains to be seen, I guess. Drew Dober, uh, three wins on the bounce. Last loss was to Benil Dariush, who I like quite a lot. Um, and then three victories before that. Um, I think he's kind of a bit of a. I don't want to use the word journeyman. That's the wrong word. That's definitely the wrong word. Um, but... He's kind of maybe a bit of a, a bit of a gatekeeper, might be the right, might be the right word to say. Um both of these guys uh, are looking to climb the ladder, as it were. Um, Islam Makachev is sitting inside the top 15. Only Justice is number 14, but Drew Dober um, it ain't there. Uh, but so we will see, but I'll predict that Islam Makachev gets this done by smothering, most likely. Uh, of course, we then move on to the three main events, which I won't go into too much detail because I did do that on the last episode, but I am ex- still extremely excited. Uh, Peter Yan, or Petty Yan, however you want to pronounce it if you're being Russian, takes on Aljamain Sterling. Um, difficult one, this. I kind of want Aljamain Sterling to win. Um, it's not really anything massively against Peter Yan. I just think Aljamain Sterling is more fun and maybe a little bit more marketable. Um, but PT you know, I've been watching the embedded and the countdowns and stuff. And, you know, he's impressive an impressive athlete, but our Jermaine Sterling's just a little bit more cool and a little bit more fun. So let's let's hope for him, shall we? Um then obviously we have Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson. As I said before, I said on YouTube the other day, I think that perhaps um Amanda Nunes might walk away after this fight after she wins because she will win. Um just because there's no one near her. You know, like I said, she she is the best. There is no one a close second. She is the greatest women's mixed martial, martial artist that has ever been. She is fantastic. Um, she is unrivaled. There is no one like her. Um, her and her partner have just had a baby somehow, however they did that. Um, and, you know, she... Her last loss was in 2014. UFC 178 again. This is a recurring theme. That UFC 178 card must have been great because everyone fought on it. Um, Her last loss was UFC 178 in 2014 to Kat Zingano. And since then, she has beaten everyone. Shayna Shayna Baszler, who is uh, now in WWE. Um, Valentina Shevchenko twice. Misha Tate. Ronda Rousey. Uh, Chris Cyborg, Holly Holm, Jermaine Durandamy. She has beat everyone there is to beat. There is not a close second. She is the best. And when I look at the divisions, there is literally no one else for her to fight. And I think she knows that too. So if you're Amanda Nunes and money no longer is your motivation and you don't have to keep doing what you're doing and there isn't any um, athletic challenge out there for you, then it's probably time to move on, or I think she'll move on. So that is um, my little prediction there. And there's no right or wrong here. Like, I'm not saying she should. I'm saying I think she might. Uh, And then, of course, we have the main event, which I am extremely excited for. Um, I do think it is a gamble what the UFC are doing. They are gambling that Israel Adesanya can become a champ champ. Um, They are gambling that Jan Blachowicz doesn't win. Um, The trouble with this the trouble with this is though, is it opens it opens up Pandora's box to a certain extent because if Jan Blahavich does win, he's knocked out the middleweight champion. Israel Adesanya's star has dimmed, fallen, whatever you want to call it, um, and he loses his 20 and 0, and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, you're a champion, but you got knocked out or whatever. Because Blahovic isn't going to win a decision here he's either going to knock him out or he's going to get pieced up for 25 minutes. And that's, that's I think we all accept that's how that fight's going to go. Um, and look, you know, I've been wrong before, but that's probably what's going to happen. It's going to be a, a Blahavich knockout or it's going to be an Adesanya decision um, or potential knockout. But I don't see Jan Blavich grinding out a decision victory is what I'm saying. So the UFC have gambled. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an educated gamble. It will probably work, but then you you put yourself into another problem where Israel Adesanya has two belts in two weight divisions, and as we've seen, no champion successfully defends in two weight divisions for more than a fight. You know, we had we had DC who was the heavyweight and light heavyweight champion. He vacated the light heavyweight championship we have amanda Nunes, who is the featherweight and bantamweight championship but there isn't actually a featherweight division so she's not actually holding anyone up and you see the difference here there isn't a list of people waiting to challenge her for the featherweight belt all the ufc do is go right who in the bantamweight division wants a crack at the featherweight belt that's what they do so that doesn't really count i think henry sahuto might have done it once and i have i'm not checking this but I'm fairly certain he might have had two belts and defended one of them each once and then retired, or maybe he just won the belts and retired. I can't remember. But my point is no one keeps two divisions going. So if Adesanya does win, there's a decision to be made, which, which, uh, which weight class are you going into one or the other? And, you know, he might, he might hold the light heavyweight belt and defend the middleweight belt once, but that'll be it. So, you either he either moves up to light heavyweight and then it makes everything worth it or he goes back down to middleweight and he fucks up the whole lightweight division because he's done that so all of a sudden it might be Jan Blahavich versus Dominic Reyes again for the belt and then it's boring and repetitive and then Dominic Reyes uh Jan Blahavich wins it and then everyone will be like yeah but you but you lost to a guy that's lighter than you so there's lots of of issues with that fight. But for the most part, it's great to watch. And then afterwards, I guess we'll we'll put it all back together, whatever the damage may be. Um, an interesting thing that Israel Adesanya said this week during fight week is that he might he might weigh in at 193 pounds, which I don't think is a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal. You know, Jan Blachowicz probably walks around at 200 and... He probably walks around at 230 pounds, I'd imagine. He's a big, big bastard, that Jan Blavich. But he'll cut down to 205, and then he'll probably enter the ring at 220. If Israel Adesanya weighs in at 193, he will fight at 193. He won't be cutting weight. Um, He will weigh in at what he weighs in at. Personally, I don't think he'll weigh in at 193. I reckon he'll weigh in at probably 198, 199. Um, And, you know, he's just probably said it for effect. But even if he weighs in at one ninety nine and Jan Blachowicz fights at one uh, two twenty, that's, t- that's twenty pound difference. We see that in the heavyweight division all the time. I don't see that as being a big deal. I certainly don't see it as being the reason that Adesanya will win or lose. Um, you know, twenty pounds isn't isn't really a big deal. The, the only reason is where Adesanya might lose is if he gets if he gets clipped for one of those big Polish meat hooks. That Blachowicz swings around on the same one that broke Luke Rockhold's jaw. Excuse me. I'll take a sip of water here. Parched. All that ranting. Mm. So, basically, um, I don't see it being a problem if Israel Adesanya weighs in... um, 20 pounds less than Jan Blachowicz. I don't see it being a problem at all. We've seen weight disparities in fights before. You see it a lot in the heavyweight division. Obviously, the heavyweight division starts at 206 pounds and goes all the way up to 265. So for years, Cain Velasquez fought at 240 pounds and people thought it was mad. You know, we're used to seeing people like Derek Lewis that have to cut to get to 265. People like Brock Lesnar that have to cut to get to 265. But in the heavyweight division, quite a lot there are there are fighters that fight at 230 240 250 260 you know it's not probably that big a deal as everyone thinks it is we're looking at john jones right now who's just entered the heavyweight division and will probably end up weighing around 240 um but john jones can't knock people out so you know that's a that's a moot point at this point so that is kind of my thoughts around ufc 259 i'm very very excited to watch it um i will be getting up i will be Uh, putting the kettle on and i will be watching it live um we will obviously unpack everything that happens um probably a day or so after let everything settle but yeah ufc 259 very 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 big card i think i read a stat somewhere that said that and i'm definitely going to butcher this but there is 10 uh over the next, in the first three months of the year, I think six champions of Defender uh, will be defending their belt or something like that. Something, something bonkers that I'm butchering, um, but yeah, basically the first quarter of the year for the UFC um, has certainly been a big one. We obviously had um, the Conor fight. We've had uh, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Um, you know, we, we we really started it off with a bang. Uh, We've had a a couple of good fight nights that have gone on um, and we are now looking at uh, three title fights being defended. So we've got champ versus champ. So that's one, two. Uh, We've got champ versus number one contender, champ versus number one contender. We then move forward a couple of weeks. And then we've got Miocic versus Ngani, which is the heavyweight belt being defended. So you're looking at the, the first quarter of the year for the UFC being a very, very, very big one. Um, there is definitely a lot coming up that we need to talk about. Um, obviously, next week, we've got Edwards versus Mohamed that was supposed to be Edwards versus Khamzat Chimaev. Chimaev has kind of retired, but kind of hasn't. And Dana, he came out and said that he's retiring. Dana then came out and said, no, he's not. He's He's just being... He's just being emotional, and we don't really know if he has or he hasn't. So what's this space? To be honest, if he has has retired, I don't think I care that much. Um, you know, it's obviously sad for him and his career, but Jesus, the guy only had three fights in the UFC and he didn't he didn't beat anyone with a name. So everyone's high on him, saying he's really, really good, but he's never beat anyone. So he either wants to carry on fighting and he'll beat someone, or he won't he won't carry on fighting either way if he retires i'll get over it i'm sure he will too um and then obviously the week after we have uh brunson versus kevin holland which i am so excited for because i absolutely adore kevin holland so there have been cuts there have been cuts we obviously know that Yoel Romero got cut a while ago. Now, Joel Romero was paid a hell of a lot of money every time he fought, um, and he kept losing. Now, we've just seen what was announced yesterday is that Junior Dos Santos, obviously former UFC heavyweight champion, and Alistair Overeem, who we discussed in the last episode because Derek Lewis called him out, um, have been cut. Now, I think it's completely the right decision. Um, And I don't want to worry about uh, it. It's difficult because you don't want to take away someone's livelihood. But when those two people whose livelihood you're talking about are probably set for life because they've been fighting for bloody 20 years, um, it's not that big a deal. And if they do feel compelled to continue to fight, they'll be able to do so in somewhere like Bellator or somewhere in Japan that will pay them loads of money to do it. Um, but I guess it's kind of – and I've been talking about the heavyweight division until I'm blue in the face because it really, really is um, – it needs restarting. It needs a jump start. It needs refocusing. It needs a clean out, and that's what they're doing. You know, you look at their, their heavyweight rankings, and um, Alistair Overeem is number seven, and Junior Santos is number 12. How can you have someone ranked in your top 15 that has lost four fights in a row? They haven't won in two years, and they're ranked number 12. They should be gone. And the reason they're not gone is the division is not deep enough. So I applaud this move by the UFC because they are freshening up the division. And you can't freshen up the division if you've got old goats like Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem fighting three or four times a year and getting beat every time. Now, that being said, obviously, they are legends of the sport and they deserve some respect. So I concede that they are legends and I concede my respect to them. But there comes a point where you've got to walk away before you start tarnishing your reputation. I'm not going to sit there in Alistair Overeem's thrall because he used to be... A grand prix champion or he used to be the strike force champion that's great but he's not anymore and what he's doing at the moment is making the product look look bad like the last fight that that junior dos santos was in was against cyril garm and he gave up he gave up he received an elbow that he didn't like and he turned his back and gave up Prior to that, he got knocked out by Jarzinho Rosenstruck, who's not that good. Then he got Tico by Curtis Blades, who definitely isn't that good. And then prior to that, he got knocked out by Francis Ingarno which in fairness everyone does. Um it's he's just he's just not good enough anymore. You know, he's done. He's finished, he's gone. It's over. You look at, obviously, Alistair Overeem, and it's kind of a similar thing. Alistair Overeem is easily 40 years old. Easily. He has got a kickboxing record as long as my arm. He's got an MMA record. 47 wins and 19 losses. And I know that Overeem's a little bit different in the fact that, you know, he's won two of his last three by TKO, but the people he's been fighting, Walt Harris and Augusto Saki, are no good. And then the second he fights someone with any sort of substance in Alexander Volkov, Overeem gives up. And that's kind of where he's at. And I guess the Overeem one's a little bit easier because the guy is paid, I think he's paid 800 grand every time he fights as a base. Um, And he's on this, this, he's been on this contract, I think, since he signed from... um, pride or strike force or where I think it was strike force he, he was at and he's been on a similar a similar sort of contract ever since then. So I think um, it's completely the right decision by both organizations. Do I think they'll both fight again? yeah I do I think they'll both sign for Bellator um perhaps over him more than um, dos Santos but still I think we'll see them both again as much as it pains me. But bravo to the UFC for making this decision. Bravo for trying to freshen up um, the sort of stale, stagnant heavyweight division. Um, I think we can see some green shoots starting to come through now. Obviously, as I said before, the top five, six, seven are you know, pretty good. Rosenstruck, Garn, Volkov, Blades, Lewis and Garni. That's a pretty decent um, sort of base for building a division off. And then you've got people... Um, that you need to start bringing through. We had Tom Aspinall had a good win the other day, albeit it was against Arlovsky. Um, Chris Dalkus is it, just not aesthetically pleasing. He's just a fat guy. Um, Augusto Sakai, I couldn't even tell you who he is. If he walked past me in the street, I wouldn't know him. Um, Walt Harris, I don't think he was ever good. Sergei Pavlovich, never heard of him. Um, Marcin Tybura who's just clinging on to top 15 so the base of the division is good but it definitely definitely needs some work um and now I'm going to stop trashing the heavyweight division because you're all probably sick of it so that was episode 26 I hope you had a wonderful time um As I said at the top of the show, you can follow us on Instagram at the Combat Review Podcast with all the underscores. You can follow us on Twitter at Combat Review. Uh, You can also now view me in all my glory on YouTube uh, at the Combat Review channel, I believe it's called. Um, Thank you very, very much for listening. I will be back with episode 27 with another guest as we unpack everything that happened at UFC 259. And I will see you next time. Thanks for listening.